0: Welcome to Taking the Hassy with Abigail. I'm your host, Abigail, and thanks for joining me today. Um, And on today's podcast, I will share the story of Ryan White. So in the 70s and 80s, AIDS pandemic affected so many lives. But one story that seems to go unnoticed is that of Ryan White. Stay tuned to hear Ryan's story. But before we get into the nitty gritty, I wanted to share some random fun facts. So number one, the Eiffel Tower can be 15 centimeters taller during the summer. This happens because of thermal expansion, meaning the iron heats up, the particles gain kinetic energy and take up more space, which makes the Eiffel Tower grow a little more. I thought that was cool and weird. Anyways, number two, and I'm gonna butcher this word, allodoxophobia. So that's the fear of people's opinions, which I didn't know existed, but I low-key believe it's, like, real. Apparently, it's very rare, which isn't a shocker. And it's characterized by an irrational and overwhelming fear of what other people think. I feel like it says it's rare, but I think everyone has some type of fear of other people's opinions. Maybe not fear, maybe not an extreme fear, but more so like a... I don't really want to know their opinion because I fear that I may not like their opinion type thing. Anyways, number three, competitive art used to be an Olympic sport, which when I read this, I died of laughter. So between 1912 and 1948, the International Sporting Events awarded medals for music, painting, sculpture, and architecture, which I think, like, I don't know if I would consider it to be an Olympic sport per se, but I would say that, like, a lot of, like, people who do art they do work very hard in that craft so like it doesn't make sense that yes they like got awards and stuff but it's more so just like why why are we putting runners and then artists in the same realm to compete you know what i'm saying i don't know like i think you should keep things separate that's my opinion but i thought that was a cool fun fact number four queen elizabeth II, may she rest in peace was a trained mechanic So when she was 16, the queen joined the British Employment Agency at the labor exchange and learned the basics of truck repair. So basically, she learned to repair tires and repair engines. So um, I thought that was interesting because like when you look at a queen, you don't think that they like learn stuff that like other people learn per se. Like you would think that, yeah, they probably studied French and English and like knew like three languages and had a tutor of their own. But like fact that she's she was a trained mechanic is i thought that was interesting and then number five last but not least um ketchup was once sold as medicine like it was medication so this condiment was prescribed and sold to people suffering with indigestion back in 1834 the fact that ketchup was once a medication is so absurd to me like ketchup let's be so for real anyways that's all for today's random fun facts so stay tuned for the real content Ryan White from Indiana was your average 13-year-old in 1984, but he had been sick all summer and fall. He had chronic night sweats, diarrhea, stomach cramps, and exhaustion. By December, Ryan couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't even get off the bus without feeling and being tired. One day, he ran a fever of 104 degrees. At this point, his mom rushed him to the local hospital. Doctors concluded that Ryan had antibiotic-resistant pneumonia in both lungs. He was then transferred to another hospital where medical specialists indicated that his pneumonia was likely viral rather than bacterial. You see, Ryan suffered from severe hemophilia A, which is a blood disease. Because of this, he used factor A, which is a blood clotting agent created with plasma pooled from thousands of donors and used to treat hemophiliacs' bleeding episodes. So basically, his medication its was put together by a bunch of other people's blood. Like, thousands of donors or their blood is just put together. So in other words, factor five, factor eight had a bunch of people's blood in it. So the specialists that worked with Ryan suspected that Ryan had a cured PCP through factor eight. So when a biopsy determined that um, Ryan had, in fact, contracted PCP, it essentially confirmed that he had AIDS. Since there was minimal medical options, the doctors gave him six months to live. Now before I continue the story, I want to contextualize what's going on during this time in history. See, AIDS first appeared in the early 1980s. It spread through needles, blood transfusion patients, and certain adult activity. But at this time, not much was known about how this disease was transmitted. For all the public knew, it affected a certain group. There is a certain stigma and stereotype that was and still is associated with AIDS. AIDS was viewed as a disease that affected homosexual men, and therefore it was concluded by the general public that it was transmitted by certain adult activity. So with Ryan's diagnosis taking place during the height of the AIDS pandemic and at a time when there was a strong stigma attached to this disease, Ryan and his family took a lot of heat. Just to clear the air, Ryan acquired HIV through a contaminated blood treatment he received as part of his therapy to address his hemophilia. So when Ryan returned, tried to return to school, actually, he faced AIDS-related discrimination in his Indiana community. When he was in middle school, the school district barred him from attending classes. So he, like, he wasn't allowed to go to school. His mother and himself rallied for his right to attend school. He had gained national attention and became the face of public education about this disease. After moving to another part of Indiana, Ryan was able to go to school, but he didn't stop there. You see, Ryan went to meet with several members of Congress about the need for comprehensive services to care for people with HIV. Ryan became famous because he taught the world that not all AIDS victims are gay, drug abusers, or live in big cities. Ryan challenged harmful and overly simplistic conceptions of AIDS. His story also pointed out the fact that the world was ignoring a lot of institutional societal failures that had sparked the AIDS crisis in the first place. To his doctor's surprise, Ryan lived five years longer than expected. He died in April of 1990, one month before his high school graduation. Congress passed the Ryan White Comprehensive AIDS Resource Emergency Act, better known as the CARE Act in August of 1990 four months after Ryan's death. You see, what I learned from this story is we shouldn't be quick to judge. Ryan was judged heavily by his community, which I didn't dig much into because I, I didn't want the story to be about that. I wanted the story to be more so about um, how unfortunate things happen to certain people, but their stories change a lot for a certain community. Um, Ryan's story really did a lot it's it's interesting how his um him and his mom really the fact that he got to meet congress and was able to be a huge part of a whole care act being brought about i think is pretty cool um and how ryan challenged a lot of conceptions of aids and Later on now, we've realized that AIDS is not just contracted through certain adult activity. It's it's a lot more than that. And how a whole community was stigmatized and still are. So yeah, it's a very... I think it's a very interesting story. And if you want to learn more about him, you could definitely research more about him. I actually read this story in Elchin John's um, biography. And he brought Ryan up because he got to meet Ryan. And they had a friendship so yeah that's that's it for today's content the shout of the week is none other than saint levant so he's a palestinian french algerian Syrian artist so he's born in jerusalem and raised in gaza and he fuses english french and arabic to being a truly unique take on modern global music. After spending 10 years in Jordan, he moved to California to pursue higher education. He is finishing up his bachelor's in international relations at the University of California. His effortless trilingual wordplay has established him as a breakout global star. His aim is to restructure the image people have of Palestine in today's world. You should listen to him. I've left his socials, his music in the description box so y'all know where you could go and get a head start on listening to this great artist. That's a wrap on Taking the Hot Seat with Abigail. I'm your host, Abigail, and stay tuned for more conversations with me.